0: Arsenal have avoided a charge for breaches of profit and sustainability regulations. Other clubs, however, are not so lucky. Meanwhile, there is just a 1% chance now that Ivan Toni will leave during this winter window. Hello and welcome to the Gouda Talk, back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Arsenal Transfer Show, joining you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good, hope you're doing well, thank you as always for joining me and making this a part of your morning routines, it is very much appreciated, I hope you had a good start to your week and thank you so much for listening and tuning in to yesterday morning show, apologies for the shortness of it, um, There will be the same situation I'm afraid next week as I'll be back in the office once again, however I'm with you for your full hour this morning on Tuesday, the 16th of January. Very much looking forward to speaking with you. And good morning to those joining us in the chat box. Uh, we've got Kaiser and A1 and Carlton, Amsie, Kieran, Dominic. Uh, we've got Martin and Carlton, Nigel, Rich. Uh, good morning to Matt G. Uh, we've got Leopold, Pam, Errol, Stephen, Maximius, Marcus, Rob, Bob, Jose. Damien, Josh, and plenty more of you guys and girls as well. Thank you so much, guys and girls, for tuning in. It is very much appreciated. Um, And as I mentioned already, a massive thank you to those that listened to yesterday's show and sent in your very kind messages of support as well. It means a lot. If you want to know more of what I'm talking about, then I'd recommend go back and watching it because it will make far, far, far more sense. Uh, Please do if you haven't already dropped a like on the video, just go down below the video, click that little thumbs up button And that is all you need to do to help show support to myself and the channel. And it would be very much appreciated. And if you are new, uh, please do drop a subscription on the channel as well. I've noticed that we've had an influx of new subscribers. And I would like to say welcome to you all. We do these shows every single day at 8am. Rounding up all the latest news, giving our thoughts and feelings on them. And then taking your questions in part two, which is, of course, what we will do as always. Today. Right then, shall we jump into things and go through today's stories? I think we shall. Uh, Arsenal have been drawn against Man City in the Women's FA Cup next round. Of course, we talked yesterday about the success that the ladies had over Watford with a 5-1 victory. But it is not going to get any easier whatsoever because Manchester City is a pretty tough uh, tough draw. They are above Arsenal in the WSL table. However, only on goal difference. Both Arsenal and Man City on 22 points. Chelsea leading the way on 25. But Jonas Eideval will now have to overcome a very tricky tie that will be played at home. That is the advantage that Arsenal have in this case. And if they can knock... Uh, Manchester City out of this competition of course it will be a big benefit to them on their way to potentially lifting the title. The real winners though you'd have to say though are those that are watching on at this draw knowing that one of the two big sides in the tournament will indeed be out in this round. Now, the FIFA Best Awards took place last night and Thierry Henry took the opportunity to be quite cheeky uh, after Lionel Messi was named the best player in the world for 2023 during the awards. Uh, He was not there to accept it. And so Thierry Henry, his former Barcelona teammate, took the award on his behalf, to which he picked it up and said, unfortunately, the winner is not here, so I will take it. He turned to the presenter. Who was a Spurs fan, and said, uh, you are a Tottenham fan, right? You can touch it too. That usually, you don't get your hands on a trophy. Uh, oh, the cheekiness of it. The cheekiness. And Spurs fans lost their minds on social media. I've seen Reddit posts and social media Twitter posts or X posts uh, from Spurs fans getting all very quite sensitive about things as well, suggesting that he's in a presenting capacity. How could he be so rude about another team? It's a joke. It's just a joke a bit like spurs um anyway moving forwards and into our headline story of the day thomas frank says that he is 99 percent sure that ivan tony will stay with the club over the course of the rest of the season leaving just one percent open to the interpretation that he could indeed leave the full quotes when he was asked once again i mean thomas frank by this point must just be incredibly bored so incredibly bored of being asked about ivan tony but asked Once again, in the latest um, press conference ahead of his return to the Premier League, he says, Tony coming back is like having a new top striker coming into the side. Um, I'm 99% confident that Ivan will be playing for Brentford until the end of the season. So just opening up that ever so slight chance, as Matt G says here. So you're saying there's a chance? Well, apparently there is a chance, but it is very, very small. Indeed. And the headline story of not just Arsenal news, but all of footballing news, especially in England yesterday, was the news that both Everton and Forest were the teams charged for breaches of profit and sustainability rules. Um, both teams will be uh, abrasively tackling this issue and pushing back on this. Everton in particular uh, will also be very, and have released a very scathing Statements as well. They said the Premier League does not have guidelines which prevent a club from being sanctioned for alleged breaches in financial periods which have already been subject to punishment unlike other governing bodies including the EFL. As a result and because of the Premier League's new commitment to deal with such matters in season the club is in a position where it has had no option to submit a PSR calculation which remains subject to change pending the outcome of the appeal. The club must now defend another Premier League complaint which includes the very same financial periods for which it has already been sanctioned before that appeal has even been heard the club takes the view that this results in a clear deficiency in the premier league's rules and everton can assure its fans that it will continue to defend its position during the ongoing appeal and should it be required to do so at any future commission and that the impact on supporters will be reflected as part of that process and it is a very scathing statement indeed which really does point the finger towards the footballing authority that runs uh, the top tier of English football and Forest as well. We expected them after David Ornstein's report yesterday and the day before to be one of the clubs that faced those charges. It means, of course, Arsenal are not one of those. The Arsenal have avoided a charge uh, because they fell within the the confines, as have everybody else that was not charged, which has led to plenty of people, of course, raising the point of view asking the questions about Manchester City and, of course, about Chelsea. Now, it is worth pointing out that both Manchester City and Chelsea remain under investigation in separate situations. Of course, we know Manchester City are under investigation for the alleged breach of 115 different rules, according to the Premier League who released that statement in February of, uh, or back in 2022, I think it was. But we actually saw... Also, Chelsea uh, with the Guardian releasing an article in November 16th of last year saying that Chelsea are under investigation by the Premier League and the Football Association for potential breaches of footballing rules, including financial fair play, prompting experts to warn that the club could face points deductions if found guilty. Uh, this comes off the back of um, a, a cons- like the the Chelsea make-y basically making... Um, the the authorities, if you will, aware uh, because it discovered an incomplete financial information was submitted to the footballing authorities between 2012 and 2019 and so it reported itself. So it remains under investigation for now. Both of those clubs will, of course, take quite some time before we get any kind of conclusions on those. There is a date set for late autumn for a hearing between the Premier League and Manchester City but there will still not be an expectation of a conclusion for that situation likely until at least the end of the 24-25 season. So we're still very much quite a way away from hearing any more about their uh, alleged breaches that they're dealing with. But Everton Forest have now been charged. Their situations obviously were a lot more simpler in the eyes of the Premier League to deal with quickly. And so they've been I guess fast tracked in some ways to to be dealt with during this season. Everton, of course, have already been surviving and dealing with that ten point deduction, which has seen them really return uh, a strong period of form. But another points deduction would take them very much, if not into, um, then just outside of the the relegation zone. Forest, as well, could face. Uh, a significant points drop which would see them drop into things and I guess teams like Burnley and Sheffield United and Luton we're very much keeping their fingers crossed that the right punishments are given out and that those right punishments are uh, points deductions in their minds so they can have a better chance of staying out of uh, the drop for the rest of the season but any more updates on this you can be sure that we'll of course be covering them On the channel and how it relates to arsenal as we know if the question is from you guys does this mean that arsenal now can go and spend during the january transfer window because they have not been included amongst the teams that have been charged by the premier league the answer sadly is no Uh, it doesn't work that way that is not what arsenal have been waiting for at all um so it doesn't mean that we can uh start spending money because uh, arsenal have been basically flirting with the line for quite some time um so it's really quite difficult to to see arsenal therefore just starting to spend loads of money so don't expect that to change now um yes dan i did uh, dylan sorry i did read your your mind before you left that comment in the chat box right let's go to part two then and your questions right after this there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Okay, Uh, let's jump into the chat book, shall we, and try and take on some of your thoughts from not only what we've discussed, but any other topics that you've wanted to raise or wanted to try and get as best of an answer that I can give you. As well. Damien says no sympathy. Clubs have finance people that should be on top of any losses or profits over the rolling three year period. They should then make recommendations based on this. And you're absolutely right, Damien. Clubs should be held to account for any breaches of those financial regulations, and they exist in order to make the league more competitive. The problem that we have is that these rules have been introduced probably far, 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 far too late um because clubs like Chelsea and Manchester City have already been able to spend huge sums of money before anybody else was given a chance to work under the new regulations and so basically these rules in some ways stop clubs from even closing the gap with those that have already built up a significant foundation with their own spending um that is the the controversy and it's a very fair point to be brought up in the debate as well um let's go to but let's scroll up a little bit more oh fk in the chat he's not very happy it seems uh about the spending um but he's very happy that he met thierry henry last night fk you look like you had an amazing time i'm oh, sorry i couldn't be there i was otherwise engaged um but uh fk had an amazing time uh at the at the fifa best awards and uh it looked like he the stories he has to tell are, are quite the stories um so i look forward to hearing about those on latte firm if you haven't already subscribed of course make sure that you do Um, Mr Feather says why can't we sell some players FFS this club is so horrible at sales I mean I'd love for you to offer up the solution to me how can you sell players when you're not being approached about the selling of, of those players if you're not approached with a reasonable amount of money for one of your players how do you sell them that is the question. It's like going to a boot fair, laying your wares out on the table. If you're not aware of what a boot fair is, maybe you live abroad and you've not you come across it. But I don't know if it's like an English endemic thing. I'm sure it isn't. But it's like in England where things like on a Sunday, you have like loads of cars park up in a field. They take out loads of their stuff. They don't want any more. Put them on tables. People walk around and buy them. It's like having a boot fair, laying out the players on that boot fair and, you know, no one comes along. No one wants to buy your players. Uh, how do you become a better salesman, regarding players? If no one is interested um whatsoever in uh, in what you're trying to say and what we're trying to sell, yard sale might be uh, a <laughs> the American version, I guess. Uh, but it's like different. An open air market says back that seems that sounds different. I guess again, it's just like if no one wants to buy what you're selling, then then what is the solution? do you sell for ridiculously low prices and then get criticized later on down the line for not being very good at getting good enough money for your players? Or do you wait for the right time to get into a position whereby you've given those players plenty more minutes and they become more sellable as players and perhaps in the summer transfer window as well, there is a better opportunity to sell those players too, but I'm still waiting for someone to offer up the solutions to those problems. Um, Let's go. Nell says, Tom, did you see the FIFA awards yesterday? Good night for the Brits. If there was a blue moon and pigs started flying, would you take Serena Weigman as England men's coach over Southgate? I mean, she's got a better track record, record of uh, of winning things, hasn't, hasn't she? So there has been, I've seen rumours, I think, Nell, of um, of Weigman being potentially uh, in the frame to take over. Um, and certainly her credentials in the women's game with a capacity to win trophies is uh is certainly something that would be taken into account we are yet to see over a significant period of time um a female coach in the men's uh, senior game at a high high level we are yet to see it uh, we're obviously seeing it now with with officiating um but there is certainly scope for it to happen um at at senior level it just someone needs to give that opportunity and give that chance and it will be an incredibly pressured job for so whoever it is that takes that first senior role. There was a suggestion that I think it was, was it Forrest Green? I think had a coach, um, a female coach for a small period of time, um, but that was quickly kind of changed. It was like an interim position, but um, yeah, it hasn't yet happened over an extended period either. Uh, Mr. Feather says, Tom, to be, be honest, it does suck when it comes to sales. And again, I'm just asking you, Mr. Feather, if you have the solution, tell me what would be your solution? for Arsenal to no longer suck when it comes to sales. Um, Lee says, Tom, at post-match press conferences, does Arteta know what questions are coming so he can be prepared for his answers beforehand? No, he doesn't. Um, The questions are decided by the journalists before the press conference takes place. And he has to answer them based upon what they're asking. The the journalists will definitely prepare their questions prior to the press conference. Um, But uh, no, he is not made aware of what those questions will be. Um, Grubby says, am I wrong for not being too angry at the recent dip in form? Surely if Arsenal were to win time after time, it would also be not fun. I don't know about that, Grubby. Um, uh, If they were to win all the time, that would be very, very fun. So I, I think maybe if that's your reason for not being too angry, then yes, I think you are wrong. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, it, No, it would definitely be fun for us not to just win all the time. It would be far, far, far more fun. Um, Mr. Feather says, "Why do you act like there is no solution? We just don't know how to sell players." Period. Uh, I am not the one who works for Arsenal, but this is my this is my thing. This is my thing. If you are willing to jump into public discourse and shout and scream and complain about the club, be willing to come with your own solutions. Be willing to come with your own uh, way that you think things should be improved. Because if there is a reason why it isn't going as well, as you would like it to. And that reason is presented to you. And the only response that you have back is, well, I'm not the one who decides the things at the club. You don't really have a leg to stand on. So that's why I always ask people for their solutions. Because for me, what Arsenal are trying to do with their sales is to be more stringent with the price tags, which is why we stood firm on our valuation regarding following and Balogun, which was always going to be upwards of £30 million. And until Monaco put up a figure of higher than £30 million, they didn't sell following Balogun and so we got a very good fee for him Granite Xhaka we stood firm for several summers on his price tag if he was ever going to go and eventually Bayer Leverkusen came up with a 21 and a half million pound bid which was accepted by Arsenal and we got a very good fee for Granite Xhaka I miss him and I think we miss him this season but certainly even in selling him in that moment got us a very good amount of money for Granite Xhaka we've made mistakes in the past like Bernd Leno um Konstantinos Mavropanos players that have been let go for very very small amounts of money and that needs to change and the only way that we change is by making sure we stand firm on our valuations or making sure that we try not to diminish the value of certain players which is still something that we need to be better with but until that there is solutions in terms of giving um in terms of getting better value for players or finding offers for players i'm sorry but it is not going to change um and until people have their own solutions to that problem there isn't too much that you can really say to point the fingers at the club about the sales uh jimbo says morning tom newcastle are tight with ffp at the moment according to the recent reports would you put isak into this squad absolutely absolutely i really do look back on my words when i spoke about isak um before he left rail Sociedad, and i looked at that 70 plus million pound release clause that was in his uh, contract to Real Sociedad. And I look back on my words that I said when I was talking about second. I remember saying, I don't think I can justify Arsenal spending 70-odd million pounds on, um, on Alexander Isak. He was at a, a great age and still is. You know, he was producing decent numbers in, in La Liga, had played with Martin Odegaard before. And I'm pretty sure, I'm right in thinking back, I was pretty averse to the idea of spending the amount of money it would take to bring in Alexander Izak, and I have to hold my hands up. I was wrong. I was wrong about that, and I kind of look back with some regret that we didn't and it's really easy to say that now. It's really easy for me to look back on it now and say, Oh, I wish I'd have had a different view um but you know you've got to hold your hands up sometimes when you when you <laughs> you were wrong and and I certainly was about isaac i really I think that we absolutely should have um gone for Isaac. And so Chunho says, so given a choice, Isak or Jesus, I think I lean towards Isak Because I think that he would, what Isak does, and I know he's got his injury issues as well, but there aren't too many players in the world that don't. I think Isak is the more natural goal scorer compared to Jesus. And I think that is what we are lacking. And his versatility is also very good. He can play with a centre forward, not just as one. Um, Lee says, Tom, do you think it's worrying that the fringe players that we have are not wanted by other clubs? There is a slight worry about that for sure. And we need to try and find ways of of changing that by either sending them out on loan or, or giving them more opportunities in the team. Um, Shano says, uh, a quicker solution would be to sell quicker, i.e. don't hold players too long if there's no plan to use them like Maitland-Niles. I mean, the Maitland-Niles example is a bit of an anomaly. We obviously had a really significant bid for him coming from about, I think it was about 18 million to 20 million pounds from Wolves when he was starting games for us. Niles was a starter for us during that period. He was playing in that left wing-back position, I think it was. He was playing at right-back at times, pretty much season in in those periods. And then he fell out of the team. And once he fell out of the team, the offers stopped coming. And I think we can be a bit fickle as fans sometimes. We can look at that situation then and think, well, Maitland-Niles is starting plenty of games for us at the moment. Yeah, He's starting plenty of games. And is it worth selling him for 80 million pounds. Cause what if he continues to kick on? What if he continues to start games? You know? So I absolutely look back on that with regret. Like we all should, cause we now know what happened. But at the time, I think the, the conversation wasn't as easy as what we find ourselves having a conversation about Maitland-Niles now. There's no doubt. And I think I saw an Arsenal fan attempt to try and say that he's better than Ben White on social media. This is somebody that's gone to Roma, somebody that's gone to Leon and has been unable to break into those teams. I think he's got something like eight or nine um, appearances for Leon who are really struggling in Liga this season. So, no, Maitland-Niles is not the solution. But, yes, we were wrong not to sell him when we did. But there is an argument that when we didn't sell him, when we should have, that there was a lot more reason to keep him at that time. Um, Sales solution, says Roy. The club needs to set up a dodgy connection with a Saudi club to buy our unwanted players at inflated prices. It seems to work in West London. Uh, tongue firmly in cheek, says Roy. Um, I'd love for Arsenal to be able to offload their players for huge sums of money to other nations, other clubs. It would be so simple, wouldn't it? Um, that, for me, is, is, is the thing. Uh, Mr. Feather says, we bought Havertz for 65 million and gave him 300 grand a week. Tell me how are we supposed to sell him if he end up being a bit of a flop? We create this mess and then say we have no solution. I would argue that when Arsenal signed Kai Havertz, as a 24 year old for 65 uh so yeah for 65 million pounds i don't think that the idea was that we would sell him also he's not on over 300,000 pound per week just to make that quite clear he is on a wage less than that um at arsenal compared to um, when he was at chelsea we did um to my understanding i think double his chelsea wage um but it is not over £300,000 a week, is, is my understanding of that situation. But when you sign a player for £65 million in the summer, you don't do that with the intention of selling them, um, I would argue. You might sign a player at 20 or £30 million, um, but you, you, you don't suddenly turn around and think at £65 million, you, you buy someone t- to sell them at that price. So he is, without a doubt, a concern. He is without a doubt a player that is going to be questioned come the end of the season if things do not improve. Um, and the, uh, the in my view, the, the reason we signed him was obviously because Arteta thought that the talent that was within and the talent that we all saw at Bayer Leverkusen, he could extract. Now, it might be that he can't do it in six months. It might not be that he can do it in a season. It might take longer than that. And some fans feel and have quite a right to feel that maybe we shouldn't have done that deal. I've written about this before and said that that was £65 million that we could have spent on a player on the up. You know, you look at Spurs with James Madison, they signed a player that was only going in one direction that had been really good. Yes, has had injury problems and that have also carried on into this season. But they've signed a player who they saw was on the up and they got in a manager that was also on the up. And so they've moved in an upward trajectory. We signed a player that we needed to revive. We signed a player that we needed to Nurture, and I don't think that that was the right move necessarily. It could prove to be the right one. It could prove in the long term to be one that makes a lot of people hold their hands up, like I did just now about Alexander Isak. But at the moment, it's very difficult to see that reality. And it's what's what's much much easier to see is a legitimate criticism that the club didn't instead invest the money in a player that was moving in a very forward trajectory, and instead chose to, to embark upon a bit of a project and a bit of a risk, which I don't think they needed to take, in my opinion. Uh, Temmy says, Do we need to sell one of Smith-Rowe, Vieira or Trossard since it appears that we have too many attacking midfielders and no real central midfielders either? I think Smith-Rowe will probably go, would be my prediction. I can see Smith-Rowe leaving um so i would imagine you are probably right uh, bulgarian goodness says havertz has been good since that brentford goal people myself included were moaning about jack's limitations for years every player has their own qualities that are coach values and you're right i think that havertz has been encouraging since brentford the goal against brentford the goal against brighton the goal against Luton, the goal against Sevilla, the performance against liverpool outside of him not scoring was also good and we analyzed that on the channel um but Who's to say that that £65 million Drago could not have been spent on somebody that was not needing to be nurtured and instead someone that had momentum that fit more seamlessly into the team? For me, even though he's been encouraging, I think his best times have come when he's in the box. And actually, the the left eight role, I think he's holding him back. I think it is limiting him and his capabilities. So I really do think that, um, that, that there is a really strong argument to be had about that 65 million pounds i don't think it's uh i don't think it's one that's a closed and shut case at all um african theory tv says tom did you see the news that chelsea have bid 85 million for goya careers of sporting how is this sports washing allowed alleged sports washing um i haven't seen that news no um so i can't say um there's also been Nizé Kinsella, who writes for the Standard, is very, very, very connected regarding Chelsea, has said that Chelsea are not interested in signing uh Guilherme, and they have not made a bid, so uh, wherever you saw that news, that has been very much rubbished already, so there you go. Um let's go to uh jay says Garassi did not play yesterday please can you confirm that if he is playing for the african cup of nations or is playing for stuttgart can you confirm his current price i can confirm his current price because i think he has a buyout clause of 17 million euros um but i don't know the reasons for why he did not play yesterday I, as far as i'm aware arsenal aren't pursuing that at the moment unless it's very very quiet but i've heard nothing about arsenal and and Giocarez, I'm afraid. So, sorry to disappoint you on that one. Uh, Nigel says, do you think uh, profit and sustainability regulations will now make clubs focus more on scouting young and up-and-coming players rather than those that are finished products, potentially, uh, I think it's certainly going to be the case for clubs like Brighton that are going to succeed after already doing what they've done with the players that they've signed. They're nowhere near breaching those regulations and can actually spend money. Whereas you look at Newcastle, Newcastle got their big money and then started spending it on big, big players to come in already established like Gimarash like Izak, that have already played at the elite level for Liga or, or La Liga clubs. So um, it's different. Um, it's, it's very, very difficult for teams that come to the Premier League like Forrest, for instance, to then start signing young players because they know that they need to have an immediate impact to try and stay in the league. So I can empathise with why Nottingham Forrest spent as much money that they did, but sadly, they, what they've not done is they haven't spent it... I don't, I don't think they've spent it um, smartly enough that they've been able to obviously stay within the bounds of the rules. And that is obviously a bit of a, a frustration. Um Snorri says, Tom, have you heard Righty's podcast uh with Swiss Ramble? He thinks that we have a hundred million to spend. Are we saving that until the summer or are we keeping it on the download low? I haven't heard that, so I can't quote um Swiss Ramble. I'd imagine that's more so for the the summer um than anything else. And uh yeah, but I, I can't comment too much because as I say, I haven't I haven't listened to it. But I will add that to my listening list. Thank you for making me aware of it. Um Cassim says, people saying that Arsenal can only sell if someone comes to buy are so foolish. How did Chelsea sell Havertz and Mounts? They put them on the market. How does Brighton sell players that market for these players? <laughs> what? Do you see the irony of this comment? The first sentence says, people saying Arsenal can only sell if someone comes to buy, the players are so foolish. That's the first sentence. Second sentence, how did Chelsea sell Havertz and Mount? They put them on the market. Do you want to know how they sell those players? Because Man United came in for Mason Mount and because Arsenal came in for Ka- Havertz. That's how they sold them. They might be on the market. Arsenal might be saying that clubs, players they've got are on the market, you know, but you still need a player, you still need a club to come in for them. And the second third part of that comment was how does Brighton sell players? They they market these players. They sell players because people want to buy them. People want to buy Kukurea after he's had a good season. People want to buy Caicedo after he's had a brilliant couple of seasons. People want to buy Evan Ferguson now because he's starting for them and playing. Brighton can start players. At a younger age, they can start players that have come in from certain clubs that teams like Chelsea and Arsenal can't start. Brighton have the luxury. I say luxury. It's not really a luxury. It's just that's their model. Brighton start players that would not be starting had they joined the clubs that they, I remember when they signed Moises Caicedo from Ecuador. Manchester United were interested in Moises Caicedo before he joined Brighton. I guarantee you, if Moises Caicedo, who had arrived at Man United before he arrived at Brighton, he wouldn't have been starting anywhere near as many games, if any, compared to when he started at Brighton. It is such a, I don't go too hard, but it is. I'm sorry, with respect, it's just not a very well thought through comment because to say that you need to put them on the market it just demonstrates a lack of understanding about the situation you need teams to come in for your players Havertz amount were no longer it seems part of the plans at Chelsea but that just meant that teams were still going to come in for them because they've been playing pretty darn regularly for Chelsea during that period whereas you look at somebody like Smith Rowe he's not playing too regularly a because of injuries b because There's players ahead of him now in the pecking order, and that means he's not getting as many minutes. No matter what we think, that is the reality of that situation. Uh, Rich says, Tom, isn't it the problem that our bench players aren't being given enough of an opportunity to shine and so can't put themselves in the shot window? Arteta can be better with the number of minutes he gives to our sub-players, for sure. The problem is this season is that we've sadly not been in the positions too often to be able to give those players the opportunities that they need. You look at Smith-Rowe, he's played in the League Cup. He's played in the Europa League. Reese Nelson's played in the Europa League. You know, Eddie Nketi has played plenty of minutes this season. You can't argue that Nketi has not had plenty of minutes this season. That's the problem. Unknown says, Edu is Arsenal's worst director. He's even worse than Ivan Gazidis. Well, I mean, that shows the misunderstanding of two people's roles. Um, Ivan Gazidis did not do the same job as as Edu. Um, Vinay Venkatesham is in the position that Ivan Gazidis was in. Edu is in the position, effectively doing the role now as sporting director of what Raul he and Sven Mizzentat were part of, and roles that were encompassed in Arsene Wenger's position at the club when he was manager. So I guess there's a fair few people out that don't really understand the setup of the club and don't really get how things have changed. I understand that. That's why we try to explain them to you when you leave comments like this one. Uh, Anna Simos says, Tom, realistically, we buy one player or no one this window, which I am coming to terms with. If it is one player signed, who is your preferred realistic purchase during this window? Also, one sale to which club? I mean, the idea of realistically buying one player, um, if we signed one player, the, the, the best option for me is a midfielder. I think it's a, it's a midfielder is the best option for Arsenal to go for during this window if they can, but I don't think that will happen. The reasons being is because I don't think the strikers are out there that we can get. You know, Even if we sold somebody, I don't think there is a centre forward out there that I would use that spot up for. I'd save that money for the summer and I'd go and sign a top, top, top centre forward in the summer rather than just a makeshift option during this window that then we have to think about trying to sell and that then makes it harder in itself. To go and sign a player. I'd go and sign the midfielder because for me, Havertz should be considered as one of the forward players, and I'd be looking to bring somebody in that can add to the options with Partey and Rice, uh, and to a lesser extent, Jorginho Elneny, of course, that are still here too. We need to bring somebody in that can add to those midfield options. And behind that, I'd be looking at trying to bring somebody on loan for one of the fullback or the centre back areas. Um, Reese says, Tom, I think Le conga could be sold. He's been playing well. Lukonga is a really interesting option. When Lukonga was playing at Anderlecht, he was doing really, really well. He shone. He was was outstanding in his progression, in the way in which he stood out at his age. He captained Anderlecht at a really young age. He comes to the Premier League and he's out of his depth from the off. He's struggling. He can't keep up to the level. uh, He's getting found out defensively. And he was thrown into situations at Arsenal at a very young age, very quickly. And the irony of this thing with Lukonga is that we talk about players not being given chances and not getting enough minutes. But if Arteta deems those players to not be of the standard he deems to get them to where they want to be, we find ourselves in a bit of bother. And Sambi Lokonga, over the last two seasons, he didn't get chances at Palace. He's now getting chances at Luton to play every single week in a team in which he can really kind of, I think, flourish in. And he did. If you watch his performance against Burnley, it was a really good performance. And he started the last four games for Luton. I think actually he started the last five games for Luton. They've won two, drawn two, lost one. And Lukonga is actually having a very decent loan spell now. He's obviously missed a lot of the season because of injury. But I am really intrigued to see what happens when Lukonga comes back to the club in the summer. Very, very intrigued to see what Lukonga does when he comes back. The door is always open. The club is always open to looking internally at solutions. I've asked Mikel Arteta about this myself in the past, and he has always maintained that internal solutions are assessed before the club obviously go out into the market uh, to try and sign a player. If they don't think they've got those solutions inside the club, they will, of course, go into the market. Lukonga, I imagine, will be sold. But I am intrigued to see what happens with Lokonga in the summer. Um, let's go to uh, Peter. It says, Tom, would you would you not say that every player you sign is a project? There are no guarantees regardless of who you sign, including Havertz. Uh, without a doubt, Peter, every single signing you make is a gamble. You might have such an assurance that a player is going to succeed. You might be utterly an, an Completely convinced that a player is going to come in and be amazing. I'll be very honest. When I saw Gabriel Jesus arrive in that preseason in 2022, I remember he came on against Nuremberg in the friendly, scored within minutes. He was went off to America, started scoring. I think against Everton, I think he did. He score against Chelsea as well in the preseason. He definitely scored like a couple of goals during that preseason. He scored against Sevilla in the Emirates Cup game, and I went into that season thinking, my goodness me. This this is gonna this changes things for us at centre forward. This changes things, and so I thought that was pretty much a sure bet. And now we sit here in 2024, less than two years after he signed, wanting to upgrade again, wanting to go to that next level again, wanting to find the next option. It doesn't matter who you sign. i mean, think about when we signed Meza Urzil. You know, 42 million pounds, world class player, Real Madrid. We thought it was going to be an overwhelming and undebatable success, and it wasn't. It wasn't. Sometimes you... you, I mean, not sometimes. All the time when you sign players, there is an associated risk. That said, when it comes to the Havertz situation, you can make judgments over whether or not you think a player is more of a risk than somebody else. And there is without a doubt that Havertz is and has been and will be more of a risk um, than, uh, than, you know other players. Uh, We have some breaking news to discuss that I've missed in the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, Jose Mourinho uh, has left AS Roma with immediate effect. Jose Mourinho no longer at Roma. Immediate thoughts. Watch out for Newcastle. That's, uh, that would be my thoughts on that. It was a hot take of mine at the start of the season that Eddie Howe would be sacked this season. That was a prediction I had. Uh, Let's see if indeed that ends up happening. And Jose Mourinho ends up at Newcastle. That would be an interesting one. Uh, Amira says, speaking of internal solutions, have you seen Tomiyasu training with the Japan team? I think we've found our new striker. No wonder we're going for another left (laughs) back. He didn't play in the game that they had against uh, Vietnam because he is still getting back to full fitness. Um, But yeah, he's training and should be in the Japan squad very very soon indeed um dara says tom apparently newcastle have Isaac, bruno and botman on their transfer list what do you make of this rumor and would you take any of them they are ha- they probably will have to sell dara um because their profit and sustainability situation is of concern and so they know that they're going to have to move one of their big stars on and i would absolutely take any of those players they are all really really good i'd i'd Prefer Isaac and and Bruno, but Botman obviously is a very, very good defender and would offer some great depth to our centre back options. But I think I'd prefer one of Bruno or Isaac. Bruno is not a player that you like to cross, he's not a very nice player uh, in regards to his um, temperament on the pitch, so we say. But, you know, sometimes you do need some of those. Uh, players to, to give you that. That said, he is one yellow card away from a two-match ban. Um, we've got to hope that that comes through during the game against Newcastle. But of course, Joe Linton is also out for the rest of the season. Um, well, suggestions are he might be out for the rest of the season. It's not fully confirmed, but there's suggestions that he could be. Uh, Tom says, how many millions did Mourinho just make yet again by getting fired? Does he still hold the record of the highest cumulative severance pay in football history? I don't know, but it wouldn't be surprise me. Um. It wouldn't surprise me at all if indeed he was. Uh, Antonio Conte could be up there as well, potentially, but it probably is. It probably is Jose. Uh, Jabu says, does Newcastle have to sell? They can cook up inflated sponsorship rights. I mean, I don't know anything about that, Jabu, but... uh, The suggestions are, yes, they would have to sell. Uh, Bulgarian says, it's time for Jose to take the Portuguese national team job. His tactics are more suited to knock out tournament football. Well, I mean, they've only just had Roberto Martinez for a short period. I can't see Jose going into the Portugal job role when they've got Roberto Martinez there now um, for the the situation they find themselves in. Uh, Mike says, isn't it interesting that Grealish's situation refuses far less airtime or Chelsea's midfield um of 200k um I don't know what you mean about that give me some more context Mike I'm I'm, I'm so afraid I don't I'm not quite following it's probably me I'll be honest but do give me some more context um Rich says has Mourinho ever stayed at a club for longer than three seasons I don't think so I, I don't think so maybe Real Madrid's Was it it Real Madrid longer than three seasons? Let's have a quick look at his managerial history, shall we? Um, Porto, two years. Chelsea, three years. Inter, two years. Real Madrid, three years. Chelsea, two years. Man United, two years. Spurs, two years. Roma, under three years. So the answer is no. He's not been at a club longer than, than three years. He was at Porto for two years, and that was it. So, yeah, no, he hasn't. Uh, He's not been at a club for longer than the three years. Kind of crazy, that record, isn't it? But you can't say he's not been successful as a manager. Um, He's won, what, three Premier League titles, uh, FA Cups. He's got one with Chelsea. He's got uh, three league cuts with Chelsea. He won the EFL Cup with with Man United and the Europa League as well. He won La Liga. Um, He won the Champions League with Inter Milan, of course. So. And with Porto um, as well. So it's, it's, yeah, and the UEFA Cup as well in 2002, 2003. So it's not like it's not done him any harm with his <laughs> his trophies, is it? It's by not being a club longer than three years. But where he leaves those clubs after he leaves them uh, is obviously another question. Uh Maximea says, for everyone bigging up Brighton's scouting team, we don't know the number of flops that they have signed. For the names that are made famous and this is something that i often always point out if you look at brighton's transfers what they've been able to do in recent years which they're going to be able to do less and less as they move forwards is give minutes to players that they otherwise other big teams would never be able to do so their sales this season uh, aaron connolly 1.35 million reda kadra 1.9 million michael karbonik 2.5 million andy Zekiri. million last season's departures. These aren't the big ones. Matt Clark, 2.6 million. Leo Ostergaard, 5 million. Uh, Neil Mopay left for Everton for just under 10 million pounds as well. I think they broke even on that deal. Um, Percy Tao, one point, this is 2021 Percy Tao, 1.8 million. Victor Goyokarez. Heard of him? Heard of Victor Goyokarez? I didn't even know he'd been at Brighton. Went to Coventry for 1.2 million euros. Um, Uh, Jahan Bash 1 million euros Uh, Jan Mlakar 300k Uh, continuing onwards uh, 2020 Aaron Moy 4 million Shane Duffy uh, left on a loan deal Dale Stevens 1 million David Button 1 million so and they sign a lot of players like this summer they signed quite smartly some interesting like bigger signings Carlos Baleba 25 million pounds he's not really played for Brighton this season. He was kind of signed as the mooted Moises Caicedo replacement. He's not really played. Mahmoud Dahoud and James Milner obviously signed on freeze and they've played as well. Pedro has been a very good signing. I think we can agree with that. Bart Verbruggen, um, a son Igor as well. He started plenty of games, but I haven't necessarily been blown away by by him. Um, You look at last season... Um, Billy Gilmore plays plenty of games, but again, I wouldn't say that Billy Gilmore is startlingly good. Simon Adingra, he's been here and there. He's he's done some good things, and and less so in other cases. Yasin Ayari, uh, Facundo Buenanote, he's been quite good. He's scored a fair a, a few goals for for Brighton uh, this season. How many goals has he got? Oh, I say a few goals. He's got one, <laughs> one goal, and one assist in twelve games. It's Brighton can start players. The other teams otherwise wouldn't be able to start. It was like when I was talking about Caicedo earlier on. If he had signed for Man United, he wouldn't have been starting games. If he signed for Brighton, he has been starting games. It's, it's very different. They're able to take risks on players and give minutes to more players than uh, the likes of the Arsenal. But Brighton do sell players um, very, very well uh, at the top, top level. So they can afford to make losses here and there on a lot of other players because ultimately they lose their best players pretty much every single season. So it does change things um, for them, but uh, it's, it's, it's unsurprising that that does turn out to be the case. Um, we're going to continue in the chat box with a few more of your questions. So if you've got any questions you'd like to, to ask, please make sure that uh, that you do. Uh, we're going to go to Lee he says, Tom, you know Arteta. Do you think that he would walk away if one of the big Spanish clubs won him? I mean, I don't know him personally. <laughs> um and i i don't know i don't think he would i get the sense that he wants to continue on with arsenal there's suggestions they're very relaxed about his um about his his contract situation i'm not surprised that they are relaxed about it um there isn't talks going on necessarily right now but he's only going to have one year, more year after this season i think he will renew i'd be very very surprised if he didn't uh, renew his deal for another season so let's let's wait and see um what happens um Drago says, any news on who's going to replace Vinai? No, nothing yet. Nothing yet. Uh, Vinay Venkatesha is, of course, leaving in the summer. I haven't heard anything about who will replace Vinay at this point in time. Uh, G6328. Uh, it's a very... Uh, I'd love to know why your parents named you that. Uh, says, Tom, if Arsenal don't win the league or the Champions League, I'll tatter out because it will be his fourth season without a trophy. I feel like I get comments every single week saying... Tom, why do you always read out these comments about no trophy? Arteta out um, because we give people merit. We give people the merit the time of day. If you've left a comment that you want a thought on answers on, obviously um, we're going to give it the time of day. I'd love to know what who their favourite was going into the Champions League or the Premier League. Uh, I'd love to know um, who they had down as their winners for each of the competitions. And if I would imagine that there's a high likelihood that Arsenal probably weren't their favorites for those competitions after considering man city won the treble so to expect a trophy expect a premier league or a champions league um despite that you're expecting arteta to overachieve and so if he doesn't overachieve he is to be sacked i can never really get on with that line of thought but we've gone over that a fair few times uh alva mod says will arteta sign rea permanently in the summer he hasn't really made an improvement on ramsdale so it would be a waste of money no I mean, I don't know if they will. I'm being told that that decision has not yet been taken. Uh, I'm, for one, at this point in time, wouldn't personally. I would carry on with Ramsdale. I'd start Ramsdale against Crystal Palace. I really liked his performance against Liverpool in the FA Cup. So I would start Ramsdale against Palace in the Premier League. Um, but at this moment in time, there's been no indication, made to me um, that uh, that Raya will be signing permanently. I know that Fabrizio Romano has said that he's got indications that that will happen but when I've spoken to people close to the club I'm told that that is getting ahead of the situation and that David Raya continues to be on loan and that is where we're at so far um, I think we will end the show there thank you so much guys for tuning in and listening is very much appreciated i hope you have a fantastic tuesday i know it's the worst day of the week uh i've got a day off today which is weird for a tuesday but i'm taking it with both hands so uh i'm going to enjoy uh, a day off uh, a bit of re- rest and relaxation i can confirm to you however that at four o'clock this afternoon will be the return of a show that we have not on, had on the channel for a little while uh, it will be the return of the Canton and Simeon show. Will be joined. Uh, Harry Simeon will be joining me uh, at four o'clock uh, UK time today. I know that's during work hours for a lot of people. Um, but yes, Harry Simeon will be with me at four o'clock this afternoon for a good chat about where things are at right now. I very much look forward to it. Uh, We might be having a chat about uh, the current state of the fan base. We might be having a chat about the January transfer window. We might have a chat about where things need to go as a club. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, to having a chat with Harry because it's been A little while since we've linked up here, so it'll be good to have a a good, strong catch-up with him. Uh, Please do make sure you drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Stay safe, stay well, stay happy, and as always, up the Arsenal.